Lesson 25. Hello again. I recently received an email from Marius in Johannesburg, South Africa, requesting a lesson on flash, so here it is. In this lesson, I'm going to cover the basics of on-camera flash, as well as external flash units and studio flash. Flash photography allows you to take pictures whenever there isn't enough available light to make an exposure. It may also be used as fill light when a subject is backlit or simply needs more light to balance out a scene. There are basically two kinds of flash units, on-camera and studio. On-camera flash may basically be broken down to two types, built-in flash, which is found on many digital and film SLRs, as seen here on my Nikon D70. This particular type pops up when it's needed. The other type of on-camera flash are those bought separately and slid onto the hot shoe located on top of the camera, as seen here. These units tend to be more powerful and versatile than built-in flash. Studio flash consists of larger, more powerful flash units that incorporate modeling lights to allow the photographer to see the effect of the lighting on the subject. Later in this lesson, I'll show you the basics of all of these types, and we'll begin with on-camera flash. Before I cover how to use flash for your photos, it's important to understand how it works and its limitations. Unlike existing light, such as daylight, flash photography relies on a single blast of light to make an exposure, versus a continuous source. This blast of light must occur within the time the shutter is open, that is to say, it must be in sync with the shutter speed. On most older cameras, and many newer cameras, the shutter speed used for flash is usually 1 60th of a second or slower. Faster shutter speeds on these cameras will not be in sync with the flash duration. Since this depends on your camera, it's always a good idea to see what shutter speed range is in sync with your camera's flash. For example, my D70 range is from 30 seconds to 1 500th of a second. Although it's powerful, the light created by flash is only useful for a relatively short distance from source to subject. That is to say, that it falls off rapidly as the distance increases. Note how this diagram illustrates how distance greatly affects the aperture setting required to make an exposure the further the subject is from the flash unit. For example, a distance of two feet from flash to subject may give you an f-stop of f-16, which as you know is a very small opening. But as the subject gets further from the flash, the f-stop required to make an exposure increases in size dramatically. At the same flash power setting, it takes three stops more light to pass through the lens to achieve proper exposure at a distance of 8 feet. By the way, this diagram is only for the purpose of illustrating light fall off and may be off a bit from actual readings at these distances. The quality of direct flash lighting is harsh and creates strong shadows. It may also cause what is referred to as red eye, due to dilated pupils of subjects in low light situations, such as my dog Buffy here. Flash creates light that is approximately the same color temperature as the sun, allowing it to produce faithful colors of the original scene. Okay, so when is the best time to use on-camera flash? Well, it's actually easier to answer that by determining when it's best not to use flash. From my experience, I'd suggest to never use flash unless you absolutely need to. 
The reason for this is simple. If you are outdoors, for example, and have enough available light in your scene to achieve proper exposure, and you like the way everything is lit, why muck up the shot with an artificial light source? Remember that on-camera flash creates light that is harsh and lights the scene straight on from where it's mounted on your camera. This eliminates any soft natural lighting found in the actual scene unless you are only using the flash for subtle fill light on a subject close to you. Anything that is say 25 feet or so away from you will be unaffected by your flash anyway because it falls off so rapidly as mentioned before. Now what if you're indoors? The same rule applies. Try to adjust your exposure settings accordingly to achieve proper exposure using available light whenever you can, which is often difficult and sometimes impossible to do. Indoor shots are when flash comes in most handy and is more often than not needed to attain proper exposure for a scene. The trade-off, however, is the snapshot quality you'll get when using your flash. The light will be harsh, straight on, and create very unappealing shadows unless you modify it. You'll also be limited by distance. If the scene is relatively far from your vantage point, you might as well just turn your flash off. It isn't going to work. There are several options for modifying the quality and direction of on-camera flash, but sometimes these options are not realistic depending on what you're photographing. You can soften the harsh quality of flash by placing a diffuser over it, such as a piece of thin white translucent fabric, or by a flash unit that has a built-in diffuser. Or you can bounce the flash off a wall or a ceiling if you have a flash unit that allows you to pivot the head up and down. You can even fire an external flash unit remotely by a wireless transmitter or the use of a sync cord, allowing you to light from the side of the subject instead of from directly in front of it. So how do you set up your camera to use flash? If you have a camera with a pop-up flash, you're in luck because you can simply choose a mode that basically does everything for you, although the creative edge may be lacking. Depending on the make and model of your camera, the flash will pop up when there isn't enough light to make an exposure in many of its mode settings. For example, on my Nikon D70, the flash automatically pops up on the Auto, Portrait, Close-Up, and Night Portrait modes. Keep in mind that in these modes, you can't manually pop up the flash, and once it pops up, it will remain that way and only fire when needed. Pop-up flashes are what is referred to as dedicated and may therefore be controlled by the camera automatically as needed. In these automatic modes, all of your exposure settings, including shutter speed and aperture, are computed for you by the camera's light meter and translated to the flash. If more light is needed to make an exposure or to provide some fill light for a close-up subject, the camera will tell the flash to fire just the right amount to make up the difference. By default, many cameras with pop-up flashes are set to the TTL setting, an acronym for Through the Lens. This means that exposure is computed by the camera's internal light meter by way of the light entering the lens. Some cameras allow you to set the flash so that it either lights only the subjects in the foreground without taking the background into account, or to fill the subjects in the foreground to balance out the entire scene. Normally, the default setting is the best setting for use in most situations, unless you want to emphasize the foreground. Depending on your camera type and model, some modes, such as program, aperture, and shutter priority, allow you to choose whether or not to use the flash depending upon the metering method you have set, and allow you to choose your own shutter speed or aperture. You push the button that engages the pop-up flash and make your settings accordingly. You'll have to refer to your user's manual to determine the specifics for these scenarios. 
Manual mode allows you to set your shutter speed and aperture yourself for virtually any lighting situation, again dependent upon your camera's capabilities. Manual mode is the mode of choice for studio flash as well. Like everything else with today's technology, there is a myriad of other settings you can make to utilize flash photography, including red-eye reduction, front or rear curtain sync, and slow sync. These sophisticated settings and their availability depend upon the features of your particular camera and are best explained by your camera's user manual. The best advice I can give you with regard to using on-camera flash is to become familiar with the features your camera offers and how to use these features by referring to the user manual. The bottom line is that you need to make the decision on when and when not to use flash and how much flash you want to use. This is best done by trial and error. The remainder of this lesson is for those of you who are interested in raising the bar in your flash photography experience. Although a camera's built-in flash is fine for many applications, use of more versatile external flash sources will give you more creative control in your photography. How far you want to go with this depends on your own aspirations and, of course, your budget. I'll begin with external on-camera flashes. As mentioned before, they are more versatile than your built-in flash and are available in dedicated and non-dedicated models. Like built-in flashes, dedicated flashes are made to be used with your specific camera model and can be controlled automatically by way of your camera settings. Non-dedicated flash units, such as my old Vivitar 283 Classic shown here, may be used on virtually any camera with a hot shoe, but must be set manually for the most part. The beauty of a non-dedicated flash is it is usually much cheaper and you can learn much more from it, so I'll use this kind for the lesson. As you can see here, this flash has a pivot head for bounce flash and an exposure guide for setting up your camera for the flash. This exposure calculator dial works in conjunction with what's called the sensor here at the front of the flash. This sensor has the corresponding colors found on the guide. To use the calculator dial, the first thing you do is set the ISO. In this case, it's on 125. Then you read the corresponding numbers and colors on the dial up here. These numbers up here are your f-stops and where you will set your camera for the corresponding colors. In other words, if you set it at f11, and put your sensor on purple, everything up to 10 feet will be automatically exposed. If you set it to the blue and F8, everything up to 15 feet will be automatically exposed. At F4 and orange, everything up to 30 feet will be automatically exposed. And F28 and yellow, everything up to 40 feet will be automatically exposed. There is also a minimum distance that is effective with these colors and you need to refer to your user manual to be sure what those are. You can also use the flash on manual mode, but you're going to have to compute the f-stop using a rather interesting formula. What you would do is refer to this uh, based on your ISO, it used to be called ASA but it's now ISO, your film speed, you would uh, come over here to say ISO 200 and below that my guide number for this particular flash is 170. Then I would get out a piece of paper and a pencil and I would write 170 as a numerator over the distance from my flash to the subject using a tape measure. Yeah. 
Then go ahead and simplify this fraction and that will actually give you the camera lens f-stop setting. My advice would be either bring a meter along or use the um, automatic function if you have one on your flash. Enough said about that. Keep in mind that you'll put your camera on manual setting whenever you use these kinds of flashes and set the shutter speed to 1 60th of a second to be sure that everything is in sync. Once you've made your settings and if you're going to use the flash on your camera go ahead and locate the hot shoe as seen right here and then carefully slide the flash onto the hot shoe. As you can see right here I have a little bit of trouble with that. Okay, be sure it slides right on there and then there's a knob that you'll tighten to be sure that it is on securely. Once you do that, you're ready to go. So what if you want to use the flash off your camera? Okay, you would take off the sensor off of the camera flash like that and then there's a special cord that comes along with uh, many of these cameras so that you can do this. Alright, you take one end of the cord, stick the sensor on the end of the cord, okay, and then notice that this right here has the part that slides on to the hot shoe of your camera. Okay, so now you have the sensor on the end of the camera. It'll read the lighting that comes from the flash wherever the flash happens to be. Okay, so then you take the other end of this cord and then you'll plug it into your flash and now everything is in communication with each other. Okay, so where the sensor was, the cord ending goes in. You pop that in there, alright, and now you're basically ready to go. You make your settings, okay, then you have the control to put this flash, you could put it on a stand, a light stand off to the side, because this has a long coil cord, or you can just hold it up, you know, to your right uh, from where you're standing just about do anything. You're limited only by the length of that cord. I used to call this particular arrangement the poor boy's studio flash and uh, I used it for quite some time uh, before I could afford studio flash because you could take your portable flash, put it on a stand, get another stand, put an umbrella on it to diffuse the light, get it nice and soft. And I had my own little uh, cheap studio flash set up. But of course that's not as good as studio flash besides the fact you had no modeling light, uh, it was very limited, didn't have much power. By the way, this setup I've demonstrated here is a little old school because it uses a sync cord. There are now flashes available that can do the same thing using wireless technology. So now, let's move on to Studio Flash. What you're seeing here is a rather modest Studio Flash unit with a power rating of 200 watt seconds. It is what's known as a monolight because the power pack is built into the flash head instead of separately as seen in more expensive setups. You can purchase a flash like this for around $250 which isn't bad for all the use you can get out of it. Studio Flash has a modeling light shown here which lights the scene so you can see how the light looks when you're setting up a shot. There's a flash tube surrounding the modeling light that actually provides the flash for the shot. This is the back of the uh, flash unit where you make all of your settings and have control over the flash. This would be your on-off switch. Uh, the next one here is your modeling light on-off switch. And this one here is your slave unit switch. 
Uh, this allows you to turn the slave unit off or on, and a slave unit is a light sensor that allows two or more flash heads to fire simultaneously. And the next one here is your flash test firing button. It allows you to uh, fire the flash manually, so you can test the flash or to make your incidental light meter reading, which I'll explain to you in a little bit, uh, a little bit further on. And then finally to the right here, uh, this is your power control. You can adjust your power output. Um, this one here would be a quarter power. This is uh, half power, three-quarter power, and full power. Finally, this is the sync cord input jack. That's SYNC, which is short for synchronize, where the sync cord plugs into the unit. The other end of the sync cord fits into your camera, either in the sync terminal, if it has one, or in an optional hot shoe adapter which allows you to synchronize your camera's shutter with the studio flash unit. There are also wireless sync units that are available that take the place of the sync cord. One part of the unit would plug into the flash head and the other would go into the hot shoe. So this shows you how to put the uh, optional adapter on the top of the hot shoe and then here is the sync cord the other end and it goes into the sync terminal on this hot shoe adapter. Now you're ready to go. All you gotta do is don't forget to put your dial on manual. Okay? And then you're gonna set your shutter speed to a sixtieth of a second, as I mentioned before, with the uh, external flash. The next thing you want to do if you're gonna do a studio shoot, for example, um, is decide what kind of light you're gonna use. Okay, there's three qualities of light. Right here is what's called direct, which is the harshest light. Next here I'm going to put an umbrella, uh, which fits into a hole in the flash head, and this allows you to give you two other kinds of lighting, okay, depending on which way you place the umbrella. So if I swing this around like this and shot something, this would be diffuse light, the very softest light there is. Very, uh, very flattering and very low shadows. If you shoot the other way around, this is reflected light which is somewhere between direct light and diffused. Kind of soft, but not too soft. Here I have set up this little uh, wooden figurine here with diffused lighting set up. Alright. Uh, when you set up your lighting like this, see how the modeling light allows you to see what's going on. You can see where the shadows are, the quality of the shadows. Alright. Remember the modeling light is just a regular bulb. It's on at all times okay but it gives you an idea of what the flash is going to look like when it goes off after the lighting is set up you'll choose a power setting on the flash unit then go ahead and make a light meter reading a light meter or in this case a flash meter allows you to determine the aperture setting on your camera by reading the incidental light falling on the subject you usually point the meter's dome toward the camera as close as possible to the subject push the read button on the meter then fire the flash remotely before using any flash meter, you must set the ISO number you're going to shoot at before taking the reading since ISO affects the light sensitivity. For the record, most flash meters can also be used for reflected light readings outdoors as well as incidental readings. This meter seen here is my old school Gaussian Lunar Pro meter and reading it takes an extra step compared to the more modern meters which simply give you a digital readout of the f-stop. This meter stores the reading I just took long enough to rotate the dial until I zeroed out as seen here. Then the f-stop is read where the lightning rod icon is. 
it says that the f-stop reading is between f-22 and f-32. So, my exposure for this shot will be f-22 and a half at 1 60th of a second at ISO 200. And of course, my camera will be set on the manual mode when making these settings. Once I'm all set up and ready to go, I just go ahead, compose my shot, fire, and since I have a digital camera, I go ahead and take a look at the uh, result, and if it's a little too dark, then I would go ahead and uh, make my f-stop a little bit smaller numbered. If it is too bright, I make it a little higher numbered until I get it just right, and that's pretty much it. Well, that's about it for this lesson. I hope that you've learned something new about flash photography. Until next time, goodbye.